Hi, I am the Strategist Cowboy. This week's first contestant is a US-Japanese style rice lager beer from the Alesmith Brewing Company located in San Diego, just north of Mexican Tijuana. Both are cities adjacent to each other on each side of the border, like twin cities. The second contestant is an IPA beer from the Canadian brewery Collective Arts. Both beers are limited edition beers. The beer's names are Itoko from Alesmith Brewing Company and Mosaic Four Ways from Collective Arts. Let's get ready to rumble! Our first contestant this week is the Japanese-style rice lager beer Itoko from Alesmith Brewing Company in Southern California. Itoko supposedly means cousins. I have absolutely no information about this beer except for what it says on the can. The ingredients in the Itoko beer are water, barley malt, rice, hops, and yeast. I know that this beer is a limited edition beer because it says small batch beer release on the can. But other than that, or other than this, I don't know anything about this beer. It isn't represented among Sustainblogit's beer assortments, and it isn't presented on the brewery website. The best before date on this particular beer was July 2023, so it has supposedly passed its prime, but it shouldn't really make any difference. It is just five months past its best before date. The beer's actual expiration date is probably not until next year sometime. Today it is still early December 2023. The Itoko beer assortment comes in a size 47.3 centiliters, i.e. an about 16 liquid ounces can, or in other words, a pint. Both today's beers are pints. The can depicts the Japanese flag of the rising sun behind Godzilla and the text Itoko in both Japanese letters and English letters. The Itoko cost 36 kronor at Sustainable Logan. That is 3 US dollars and 43 cents. That is 86 cents per every 4 ounces of beer. That is not that expensive for a beer coming from the US West Coast. Especially not for a limited edition beer, as long as the word limited promise that it is also a quality beer. Who knows the preferred serving temperature on this beer assortment? But it should be somewhere around 8 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 degrees Fahrenheit. I can't be more specific, since there is no information about it at all. The Itoko has got a 5.1% ABV level. 5.1%, so pretty typical. How about the experience then? 
Okay, one moment. Let's see. Not so much of an aroma on it. It's got about a two fingers tall head and it's yellow and clear. A little bit of rice aroma, uh, perhaps, but also um, barley malt. Okay, first impression. It's a pretty normal um, lager beer. It's not very rich, but it's not weak either. It's not bread-like, it's not yeasty, it's malty. Taste of my palate is maltiness. And it, is it sweet or dry? Let's see. More dry than sweet, definitely. It's uh, not very bitter or hoppy. More like a pine needle taste. And I, you know what I think about pine needle taste. It's an aberration that just comes when you brew the beer. And then they, they say, some brewers call it a, a flavor, <coughs> pine needle flavor, but it's just bullshit. And, but it's not much pine needle flavor. Sorry, pine needle taste. It's not kind like, it's not fruity. Are there any spices? Perhaps some spices, yeah. Um, peppery spice. The undertone is a little bit spicy. Or pine needle, more pine needle actually. Combination level, I... Uh, I can't tell yet, not yet. It's not creamy, it's not acidic, and there is pine needle aberration. Um, I call it an aberration, but it's not very much. Unfortunately, it's there, so it's enough for me to downgrade this beer a little bit. But it's a, it's not a bad beer. I mean, it's, it's gotta be really bad for me not to want to drink a beer, uh, but uh, it's not dark roasted, it's light, it's a lager beer, it's filtered, well, well, I'm not gonna say if it's well balanced or not, because it's, uh, it's got one taste actually, and it's not balanced between any two tastes or flavors, I mean. 
There's not much more to say about this beer. It's very regular, everyday beer. As an everyday beer, it's perfectly okay for a lager beer. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but what about grading then? How many devils do I grade this beer? One moment, uh, excuse me. Pardon me, it's uh, got some carbonation level. Well, it's better than many beers I've graded a five. So I give it a six devils out of 10 possible. It's very okay for a lager beer and an everyday lager beer. It's kind of expensive for an everyday lager beer, but it comes from US West Coast. So it's, uh, well, you can imagine it, it costs some to ship it. Okay, let's move on to our next contestant. Our second contestant for this week is the Alpa beer Mosaic Four Ways from the Canadian brewery Collective Arts. This beer too is a limited release. There is no longer any information about this beer on the brewery website or Sustainbloggit's website. All their cans have some work of art printed on them. It says on the can, quote, one part craft beer, one part canvas. Collective Arts is a fusion of creativity featuring the talents of emerging artists through our global call for art. End quote. The art on this beer assortment was made by an Indian artist from Pune, an artist that goes by the name Babatosh Dwale, not a Canadian indigenous Indian. It is suitable since the beer is an Indian pale ale. The ingredients in this beer assortment are water, malted barley, wheat, oats, and most likely hops and yeast. The best before date on this particular beer is April 2024. At present date, it is early December 2023. The Mosaic Four Ways beer assortment comes in a size 47.3 centiliters, i.e. a 16 liquid ounces can, again a pint. The can is an actual painting a work of art in red and blue. The Mosaic Four Ways beer assortment from Collective Arts Brewing cost me 41 kronor, i.e. 3 US dollars and 90 cents. That is 98 cents per every four ounces of beer. I don't know the preferred serving temperature on Mosaic Four Ways, but it's an ale, so likely somewhere between 10 to 14 degrees Celsius, i.e about 50 to 57 degrees Fahrenheit. The beer assortment has got a 6.4% ABV, 6.4%. How about the experience then? Okay, one moment. 
I hope it doesn't explode on me. No, I managed to open it without it exploding in my face. As a matter of fact, the beer has got an, only got a, a one finger tall head. And it's very light yellow, almost like, well, it's clear and yellow. So far clear. A little bit oaty, wheat malt, especially, especially aroma on it, especially wheat malt. First impression, I think it's uh, fairly rich. Yes, it is. It's a little bit bread-like, like, like uh, light bread. And um, well, It's a little bit cloudier now, but I can see my fingers through the through, through the glass. It's not very cloudy. It's oaty in its taste, taste, and also wheat beer taste or wheat taste. Is it yeasty? I'm 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 still thinking. No, I can't say that it's it may, maybe a tiny bit of yeastiness in it. It's uh, is it malty? Yes, it is. Taste on my palate: oats, oats, and wheat. More than the barley malt, actually. Um. It's, it's it's dry. It's not very bitter or hoppy. Well, it's kind of a little bit hoppy, but not that bitter. It's not candy-like. It's not fruity. I uh, I wouldn't say it's fruity. Maybe some spices in it. The undertone is, well, I wouldn't call it an undertone. It's wheat taste. Excuse me, pardon me. Carbonation level is okay. It's pretty high, but uh, it's. Uh, excuse me again. Okay. It's uh, wheat, but also oats. I don't know which I don't know which is uh, the most prevalent taste in it. It's not creamy, 
and it's not acidic and there are not any aberrations in it I don't think so uh, it's uh, I guess it's filtered but maybe not 100% but it's pretty much filtered is it well balanced or not It is between wheat malt and uh, oats, but the barley malt is uh, is lost to me. I think. Let's see if there are any other flavors or tastes in it. It's not pine needle, so that's good. I don't think so. Uh, maybe a bit straw-like. I say, uh, I'd say that uh, that's about it. Okay, what about grading then? How many devils do I grade this beer? I grade this beer. Actually, I graded six devils out of ten possible. I don't think it's uh, very super, but it's a good beer. They have a lot of uh, different uh, flavored beers at Mosaic for uh, Collective Arts, I mean. Uh, I think uh, that can explain it because uh, they can't put in so much effort in each and every beer uh, assortment. Okay, so six devils out of ten possible. It's not really much better than the former lager beer actually but um, it's still not a bad beer i think it's uh, well it is what it is but it was expensive absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines military or civilian drink responsibly or not at all don't drink at all if you're underaged or pregnant <laughs> Will Venezuela annex Guyana? There are signs that speak for it. 95% of voters in Venezuela approved the claim on the disputed territory of Guyana's oil fields in Esequibo. It is set to be a public referendum this coming Sunday, December 10, 2023 rejecting the International Court of Justice ruling. The following are my thoughts and some facts from the CIA World Factbook 2023 to 2024, which can shed some light on the events. The Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela had a population of 30 million in 2022. The Cooperative Republic of Guyana had a population of just under 800,000 in 2022. In January 2018, an estimated 3.2 billion barrels were found offshore and Guyana was scheduled to become a petroleum producer by March 2020. However, that is a fart in space compared to Venezuela's 303 billion barrels of estimated crude oil reserves. 3.2 billion barrels 
equals the entire U.S. oil consumption for a mere five months. It could be that Guyana has upped this number, 3.2 billion barrels, two or even three times by 2023. But the oil would still suffice for the U.S. total consumption for a mere 15 months. Not to worry, the U.S. gets their oil from many places, one of them yet being the U.S. itself. Guyana didn't export any petroleum in 2019. However, they imported refined petroleum in 2019. Venezuela exports three times as much as they import, suggesting that they have an oil-dependent economy. The US is Venezuela's second biggest import partner after China, suggesting that the US really wasn't imposing many sanctions on Venezuela in 2019 at least. The US is also Venezuela's third biggest export partner, suggesting that the US still benefits from the Venezuelan oil industry. Guyana should not be mixed up with French Guyana, which neighbor Guyana to the east. Guyana had a GDP per capita of 12,500 US dollars in 2018, 13,100 in 2019, but it jumped to 18,700 in 2020, indicating that they had started exporting oil in 2020. Either that, or they were economically supported by a bigger state, or both. If so, it probably has to do with Guyana being a neighboring state to Venezuela. But don't forget, the nearby state of French Guyana is a launch site for European and Russian geo-orbital satellites. There isn't an abundance of places on Earth that have the right location close to the equator, a sufficient port and infrastructure, a vast ocean to its east, and are stable enough politically for Europe to consider them worth diverting technical resources to and deploy know-how in and place a launch site in that country. I think the US too launched some satellites from French Guiana, but it is the exception. For instance, the James Webb telescope was launched into space from the nearby neighboring state to Guyana, namely French Guiana. French Guiana isn't in any immediate danger from a Venezuelan invasion, but some people are supposedly getting nervous. Venezuela had a GDP per capita of 7,704 US dollars in 2018. Compare that to the 12,500 US dollars GDP per capita that Guyana had in 2018, or the $18,700 GDP per capita Guyana had in 2020. The US intentions don't include the possibility of supplying the US market with the oil coming from Guyana. They don't say no to oil, but the oil coming to the US from Guyana is always going to be a fart in space, unless the whole country is one big oil field. But the oil in Venezuela is of immense importance to the US. However, some of the importance may be political relations, 
since the crude oil in Venezuela is mostly not of the quality you make gasoline from, unlike the oil from the Persian Gulf. Rather, it is suited to make diesel from. It takes time to convert the motor park from gasoline-propelled cars to diesel-propelled cars. Biden thus cannot halt his plans for the Middle East, even if he could make the US control the flow of oil from Venezuela to benefit the US only. And the US is busy converting their fossil fueled motor park to an electric motor park at this moment. That means a certain further gradual focus shift from fossil fuels to rare earth metals marked for making batteries. But this is ultimately about China. China in the oil country of Venezuela. China in the oil rich Persian Gulf. China in the advanced semiconductor producer Taiwan a country dominating the market with 90 plus percent of the world's latest generation chip technology. Biden conveys the notion that China must be stopped before they replace the petrodollar and abruptly disrupt Taiwan's deliveries of advanced semiconductors to the US. There is only room for one superpower in the world. The Five Eyes countries and Israel must dominate, and China, Russia, and most of Europe will have to be let go. Parts of Europe may be allowed to shine, albeit with a dimmer light, but they won't have a say in the future world order. They will have to stand with cap in hand. It really doesn't matter which political party resides in the White House or in Britain. But as we say in Sweden, he who digs a hole for others to fall into often falls into the hole himself. The proverb is kind of self-evident to my people, so much so that it sounds corny to me. You may even say that the proverb is part of our cultural trait. We trust in God, even when we don't believe in God, apparently. Most of us Swedes don't, but I do 100%. This means that there is a risk of war. It is just a matter of time. But America will fight another war about oil in the Persian Gulf, as long as they haven't more or less fully converted to an electric motor park. Europe will initially be allowed to have a say, since the US wishes to benefit from NATO when they fight the upcoming war, especially if they must fight China too. But the US doesn't want to have to fight Russia on top of that, albeit Biden knows they ultimately may have to or parts of Europe may ultimately have to. But most of the Republicans today have no clue about what a superpower must do for it to remain a superpower. It is this kind of lack of understanding about complex world events that made the Roman Empire decline. They became more and more selfish and they ended up gazing at their belly button. If you are not an outward looking nation, you cannot stay a superpower for long. Albeit the decline of the Roman Empire took several hundred years. Well, the Roman Empire surely could manage without silk clothes, but the American Empire cannot manage without oil. Except it is not so easy to just shut off all oil to the US, unless you are Saudi Arabia, who seem to afford to make the most insane decisions in total disregard of logistics realities and military might. 
But military might and political might don't always go along with each other. A weaker nation like Iran may be militarily inept, but still politically strong in the region. And the same goes for Saudi Arabia. The US is militarily strong, but politically inept, now under Joe Biden at least. They could try and reverse that imbalance by voting in Trump again in 2024, but it will eventually cost them their military might. But as I said, it may take several hundred years. Years of constant perceived humiliation. Years under perverted and decadent emperors who are ashamed to their country. Years under Trump and others even worse than him. Pitiful human beings. The bottom of the barrel. That is Trump's legacy to the US. He's turning the US upside down so that the bad ends up at the top and the good ends up at the bottom like in the Muslim world. But it remains to be seen. Except Joe Biden doesn't realize that also the Democrats are changing so that the bad ends up on top and the good ends up at the bottom. This is how most of the world's countries appear. The result is stupidity, poverty, corruption, drugs, suffering and a rampage of violence. We all have it, but the US has got more of it and it is going to get worse for them. Biden wants to see it happen to Sweden instead, because he is the bad person at the top. He wants Jimmy Åkesson from the Sweden Democrats to rule Sweden, since he is the Swede most alike Donald Trump, and Jimmy will destroy Sweden from within by putting the bad people at the top of government. Anything to save Biden's country from decadence. By making us pay the price, he believes that he can avoid his country paying the price. Biden dug a hole for us to fall into. That's why it is already too late for the US. The old senile hypocrite pays lip service in church. But fear not, we have God on our side. But how can you accuse Joe Biden like that, Roger? It is easy. Follow the money. In the future, follow the money. T-I-N-A or Tina and all that. Public Deep State Wall Street plan, you know. It might kick in. Well, not if I can stop it. And the sources for this were Warographics video channel on YouTube and the CIA World Factbook 2023 to 2024. My name is Roger Klang. Thank you and see you later, alligator, at a while, crocodile. Mm -hmm.